Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, it's Mike, and it's on Religion Dystopia, Divine Versus Belief, Part 7 of our series of spiritual warfare. It is 21st of October, allegedly 2017, and it's 78 degrees and hotter than heck. What's that, buddy? Good job, man. I made a whole this is the whole thing I told they both John's yeah. same uh, whatever all right I don't know how my son got got into big time wrestling but he did <laughs> at least he likes John's steam or whatever his name is anyways uh 78 degrees dry as all get out a lot of dead wood in the forest. Found another X structure, this time behind another restaurant on the other side of the viaduct. And adjacent uh, to um, a golf course slash country club that's well known around here. Ah. Uh, a little disturbing, what I'm seeing, but anyways, I'm tired. My first day, I had a chance to pat my son, so. Anyways, kind of difficult to try to juggle it all. Anyways, love having my son with me, but I just don't feel hot. So anyways, Spiritual Warfare 401, How to Gain Deliverance from... Demonic Influence, Part 1. This is from Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. Uh, the, this, the series is called Invisible War. What every believer needs to know about a Satan, demons, and spiritual warfare. Hold on a second. I'm doing something right now, but when I'm done, we'll then have the rest I of it. I want to do something else. Just watch my videos. I don't want you to watch your videos. Play with your toys, do your drawings, do something constructive, okay? Do something I don't want. That's right. You'll learn to want to do it. Okay? Yeah. All right. Spiritual War for 401. How to Gain Deliverance from Demonic Influence, Part 1. Chip shares what he believes is the most powerful weapon God 
has given every believer to combat the forces of evil. And he'll tell you how to use it to protect yourself from demonic attack. Transcript. Do you want to see God change your life? Do you want to see God change your your church or your community? Do you want to change... Do you want to see God bring neighbors, friends, and co-workers and relatives to Christ? It's a spiritual battle, and yes, you put on the armor. Yes, there is a sword of the Spirit. Yes, when you are attacked, there is the shield of faith. But with all the prayer and petition, pray at all times in communion with or by agency of the Holy Spirit in such a way that God does supernatural things. Now, if you ask me how it works, I'm going to tell you I don't have a clue. I don't. Neither do I. How does the sovereignty of God and the free will of men and the invisible world here and the visible world here right your left um, I don't understand it all but you know what I don't have to, a lot of verses that say Chip you must understand all of this and be able to explain all of this and intelligently reason it all out but I'll tell you what I've got verses they command me to pray, biblically, strategically, intensely, powerfully, in a way where radical change occurs. I'd like to summarize by saying that in Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20, the means by which we as believers are to withstand and overcome the attacks of the enemy in spiritual warfare is by consistent, intense, strategic prayer for one another in conjunction with the personal application of the armor of God. I do believe with all my heart that intercessory prayer is the most powerful, strategic, individual, and corporate weapon we have. Prayer has a direct impact on spiritual warfare, at least according to Jesus. And Mark, or you could say Yahshua, or Joshua, or Joshua, yeah. yeah. As long as you know we're talking about the only begotten that came in the flesh, and God, you know. Mark nine twenty nine. The disciples are attempting to cast out a demon. It's not working. They come to the Lord and say, what's the problem? The Lord says, this kind comes out only by prayer and some translations will add fasting. And if I'm not mistaken, the proper translation is prayer and fasting. Prayer provides an assistance in the deliverance of others who are undergoing spiritual attack. Someone you know 
can be undergoing spiritual attack, and God can and will command you to pray in such a way that it delivers them. And you say, well, where do you get that? Uh, Because Peter was undergoing spiritual attack, right? How did Jesus deliver him? Peter, Satan has asked to shift you, sift you like like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Luke 22, verses 31 through 32. I'll tell you one thing. You want to be a New Testament church? It's a praying church, powerful, where prayer prevails. So let's try this again. A praying church, power falls where or, uh, prayer prevails. And look at new at the New Testament church or community. Jesus is gone. They're afraid. And while they're waiting for instructions, Acts one fourteen, what are they doing? Praying. In Acts two forty twenty-four excuse me. Acts two forty-two, when Pentecost occurs, what were they doing? Praying. And Acts three one, before the first major miracle of the church, Peter and John were on their way to a prayer meeting. And Acts 4, the first time uh, persecution occurs, they're flogged, and they come back and explain what a blessing to be beaten for the cause of Christ or Jesus. And then they pray, and the room shook. Acts 6, when the first dissension occurred, they had to say, wait a second, some of the people in the community or church are being neglected, and the paradigm had to shift, and the apostles said, apostles said, wait a second, we can't get so involved in the ministry of service and feeding the widow. We must give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. By Acts 8, the persecution occurs, and the persecution occurs by verse 14 and 16. What are they doing? They are praying. In Acts 9, at the end now, you have the Samaritans in and Cornelius in Acts 10, and the Gentiles in Acts 9, prayer. Prayer. What's Peter doing when God reveals to him everything uh, that crosses his heart that is totally culturally the opposite of how he's taught about or thought about the Gentiles? He's praying, and he is, and and as he prayed on top of that roof, God gave him a vision. And you know what? I just stopped there. You go through the rest of the book of Acts, and when you do, you're going to find that wherever you see God's power fall in supernatural ways, fall in supernatural ways, 
that the tra that transforms lives and institutions and churches, communities and people, and God opens doors and does things no one can explain. I'll guarantee one thing: somewhere, someone, or a handful of people, or a whole church is praying. Now, some of you might be saying. Wait a second, man. That sounds real strong, and I'm a kind of I'm kind of motivated. I really want to pray, but you know, we pray. I'm not seeing those kinds of things happening happen. I believe in prayer, but I don't see those things happening in our community. Cause I don't think those things happen with any old prayers. I don't think those kind of things happen when people pray a little here and pray a little there and pray when it's convenient and ask God to bless a few people somewhere, sometime, somehow. I think the Apostle Paul in verses 18 through 20 says, there is a specific kind of prayer that brings these kinds of results. There are three characteristics of these kinds of prayers, right out of the verses 18 through 20. First of all, the kinds of prayers that bring supernatural results and deliverance in spiritual warfare are characterized by consistent prayer. Look at verse 18. He starts off with all prayer and petition. The word for all prayer is in general word for is the general word for all kinds of prayer. And the word for petition means very specific requests. This happens in the arena where people are praying all kinds of prayers. Put on Put in the corner of your notes the lectures, the letters, excuse me, ACTS, A-C-T-S. Some of us get, get stuck in different kinds of prayer, but that's the best acronym I know. A for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication, for the other people. We pray intercessory prayers, but it is in the context of giving honor and glory and praise to God. It is in the context of open, honest confession for God before one another. It is in the context of a church or a body of people who are giving thanks and who are always looking in the rear mirror, praising and thanking God for the deeds that he's done. And that gives you a kind of faith to ask certain things, supplication for the future. And so, it's a consistent prayer, all kinds of prayer. And notice, pray at all times. That means prayer on all occasions. I think the inference here is, yes, 
there needs to be very strategic, extended times of prayer and set times. In fact, isn't in Psalms 55, the psalmist says, In the morning and at noon and evening, I will pray unto you. Do you have any set times in your life when you pray? Does your church or community have any set times when you pray? Along with that is a life at all times, a life punctuated with prayer. See, the informal, spontaneous times of prayer grows out of deep seasons with God. So that, yes, as you're driving, you're praying. At the middle of a conversation, you're praying. When there's a need and an ambulance drives by, you're praying. When you're quiet and you're not even thinking about something and someone urgently, vividly comes to mind, you start to pray. He says, the kind of prayer that God answers is consistent prayer. With all prayer and petition, praying all times, and then praying in the Spirit. The idea is in communion with the with and directed by the Spirit, or the agency or the power God leading you how to pray. There was a man, as we started this session who was just putting something in the trunk, picking something up. Just a regular guy in Michigan, normal person like you and me, doing a little volunteer work at the church. He, he's not a superstar. We don't think he has any theological degree. Thank goodness for that. And he was just picked he was just picking some stuff up at the church. He opens the trunk, and he gets a prompting. Pray for the missionary, for that missionary. You've had them. I've had them. But what do we do with them? Well, okay, God help that missionary. You can almost visualize the spirit going, no, no, no. We're not talking about a little prayer. Gather the men of the church. He puts it back in the trunk and goes back into the church and makes a few phone calls and bang, 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 bang. I'll tell you, I don't know many churches where you could make phone calls in one morning and have 26 people show up. They get together. And they get on their knees and they pray. Why? He's praying in communion with the Spirit. Many of you have had situations where in the middle of the night, unexplained, right? You awakened and you've had someone, I mean, burdened on your mind and you pray. I got an email two days before I came here from the associate pastor pastor of the Baptist of a Baptist church there in Atlanta. 
He's become a good friend. He's a godly, godly man. And he has just taken me under his wing as I've gone through this trans transition. And we'll go eat lunch, and I'll share where my struggles are. And he'll say, yeah, I've been through that. And he'll kind of coach me. And I got an email, just one line, Dear Chip, in prayer this morning, deeply prompted with a sense of urgency, I have no idea. Hold on a second, buddy. I have no idea what's going on in your life. Took you, be- you took you before the throne, and I'm thinking of myself in the California terms. Yo, dude, you have no idea what I've been going through and what I'm teaching. Hold on a second. What's going on, bud? What this B E T rest so. That's B-E-D. B-E-D. You know what that is. Oh. Rhymes with red. Bed. There you go. So it says this is supposed to be morning, noon, e, uh, E-B-E. E is an abbreviation for evening. And what, then, is, what is N-O-N? Noon. What is M O R N? Morning. It's morn. That's for morning. T U E S. T U E S T U. It's an abbreviation for Tuesday. All right, where were we at with all this? Okay, um, <clears throat> I know it was so we were just talking about he got a, an email from a friend of his, a, a Baptist pastor in Atlanta, and he was prompted to email him, and he's been praying for uh, Chip, and is saying he was deeply prompted, in a sense of urgency. Anyway, so here we go from here. You know what that did for me? It let me know God did, and it let me know God was asking other people. In fact, I made a series of phone calls and sent emails to people associated with Walk Through the Bible and said, I'm coming here. I'm teaching on this prayer. Pray. See, the kind of prayer... God uses is consistent prayer. But it's not enough to be consistent. It's also got to be intense. Did you get that out of the passage? Look at the end of the verse of 18, Facts. What was that? Whatever. <clears throat> be, an, uh, be on alert. The word means without sleep. It means to be vigilant. It means not going through the motions. This is the kind of prayer where you have a list and you say, Bless Aunt Mary, please. Excuse me, this is not a kind of prayer. 
where you can you have a list and you say bless aunt mary please help the church oh my mind is wandering this is the kind of prayer where you are on your folk on your focused you're intense you're not going through the motions you're alert and not only are you alert but with all our perseverance it means enduring not giving up I do not know about you but when I pray you know I get to a time where sometimes it takes 10 minutes and I just feel like there's a ceiling on my prayers and I'm not getting anywhere now I'm going to admit something sometimes I do that and I just think this is just too hard I'll see you later Lord I know that's not what I need to do what I understand is I need to break through that you have to persevere you will probably never experience more opposition than when you are praying intensely consistently and God is leading you because someone said that demonic forces come to attention when people get in God's Word it's not interesting remember I told you if you want to see these things and entities if you're a Bigfoot researcher off you start talking to Heavenly Father talking about Jesus yes. he'll show up yes buddy I want to watch my when I'm done reading all this stuff, then you can, but not right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. You put them on your fingernails. <laughs> Aren't those supposed to be go on the uh, wrestling mat thing, whatever, cage? Anyways, um, all right, let's get back to this. Got to keep on persevering regardless. You will probably never experience more opposition than when you are praying intensely and consistently and God is leading you. Because someone said demonic forces come to attention when people get in God's word, but they are fearful and they shudder when God's people begin to pray. So, it takes perseverance. Some of the old mystics talk about breaking through in prayer. You've got to break through in prayer. You've got to hang in there and you, you break through in prayer until you get there. One of my heroes is Elizabeth Elliot. And she wrote something called Notes on Prayers. It's about persevering and being consistent and intense. She wrote people who, at, who ski... I suppose, are people who happen to like skiing and who have time for skiing and who can afford to ski and who are good at skiing. Then she makes this confession. Recently, I found that I often treat prayer as though it were a sport, like skiing. Sometimes you do if you like it 
sometimes you do in your spare time, and sometimes you do if you can afford the trouble. And something you can do, I think I've been saying this all wrong. Let me try this again. She says here, comparing an analogy to skiing, like a sport, something you can do if you'd like it, something you can do in your spare time, something you can do if you can afford the trouble, and something you can do if you are good at it. But prayer isn't a sport. It's work. Prayer is no game. Prayer is the opposite of leisure. And she's talking about this intense level of prayer. She's not talking about basking in the presence of God or multiple kinds of prayer. She's talking about the intercessory prayer that gets major things done. It's sometimes it's it's something to be engaged in rather than be indulged in. It's a job you have first priority to. It's not performing when you have energy for nothing else. Someone has said you need to pray when you feel like praying, and you need to pray when you don't feel like praying, and you need to pray until you feel like praying. If we pray only at our leisure, that is, at our convenience, can we really call ourselves true disciples? It did not Jesus say, anyone who wants to follow me must put aside his own desires and conveniences and follow me. It's in the wrestling of Christian prayer. Our fight is not against any physical enemy. It's against the organizations and powers that are spiritual. We are up against unseen power that controls this dark world and spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. Seldom do we consider the nature of our opponent and that it is to his advantage. When we do recognize him for who he is, however, we have an inkling as to why prayer is never easy. It's a weapon that the unseen power dreads most. And if he can get us to treat it as casually as we treat skiing or tennis or something else, then he has won. There is a kind of prayer that makes a difference as you put on the whole armor of God. It's not little uh, fluttery prayers. Okay, little fluttery prayers. It's not prayers of convenience. It's prayers that are consistent. It's prayers that are intense. And finally, they're prayers that are strategic. Look over at verse 20. He says, And you pray for what? All the saints, including then he gives a specific God's messenger, him, that they'll be what? Bold. He says, the utterance 
may be given so that God's message will be clear and have opportunity. I think too often we pray too small. We get so into our own little world that all we're praying about, that's all we're praying about, and not that we shouldn't hear this carefully, but we get where we just pray about our family, our church, finances, and struggles, our, our spe- specifics, and then even to the point where we know God hears, where we're really praying about, oh God, would you arrange my life in a way that would be easier for me and more comfortable for me? And fulfill my desires and you hear Paul pray what is he praying for he says pray for me that the message might go out pray that the message might go out around America around the world the message of the gospel and pray that God will make me bold in verse 20 the world bold is used two times you know, the early church or community of followers of Jesus is characterized by prayer, and they're characterized their boldness. They were not afraid to be politically incorrect. They were winsome, and they were loving, and they were kind, and they weren't weird and quasi-religious, But they were bold because they knew who they knew, and they had experienced the risen Lord. And they prayed with intensity, and they asked God for big things, and they prayed strategic things. Dear Lord, take this community for Christ or Jesus. Dear Lord, cause these churches to be unified. Dear Lord, empower my pastor this week, every pastor in this community. Dear Lord, take the gospel throughout America. Dear Lord, please empower your servants and missionaries that they might be bold and unafraid. That's a little bit different than dear Lord, The mail will be very crowded. Could you get me a parking... Excuse me, the mall will be very crowded. Could you get me a parking spot? Prayer. Warren Wersby says, is the energy that allows the soldier to wear the armor and to wear and wield the sword with confidence. The missing ingredient in most Christians' lives, in most churches, is the commitment and the regular practice of an intercessory prayer. And if you haven't heard the point clear enough, Scripture indicates that individuals and corporate consistent, intense, and strategic prayer will deliver us from the evil one. What's up, buddy? Sure, buddy. 
starting to get dark early, isn't it? I love the quote that I put on your notes by S.D. Gordon. The great people of the earth. Think of that. Who are the great people of the earth? Are the athletes making $20 million a year? Are they political figures? Are they movie stars? Are they someone who are the great people of the earth today? In God's economy, I think this guy's onto something. The great people of the earth today are people who pray. And then this is good. I do not mean people who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor those who can explain about prayer. I mean those people who take time and pray. They have no time. They have not time. It must be taken from something else. That something else is important. It's very important. It's very pressing, but still less important and still less pressing than prayer. This is true. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, what we learn in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 is that the great majority of spiritual warfare and safety and victory is when we are understanding there is an invisible war. When we understand God has given us armor to protect us, and as we walk in fellowship with the Lord, the great majority of the warfare will be taken care of. We have learned that on occasion, and the missiles will come as we begin to take radical steps of growth and get involved in evangelistic evangelistic uh, missionary uh, ministry, excuse me, and make a break with old habits. But even then, we have the shield of faith, and we have the helmet of salvation, and we have the sword of the Spirit. And we know that all of these things will come together in a way as we pray consistently, intensely, and strategically. Now, with that said, there will be times in your life, perhaps, or in the lives of people that you love, where, for the multiple reasons, demonic op and influence get a foothold or an inroad. So I don't think it would be proper to talk about spiritual warfare unless we address the issue of deliverance ministry. When someone is depressed, oppressed, or harassed, or even possessed, we'll talk about what that means, what exactly do you do, what does the Bible really teach, is there some balanced sense of deliverance ministry when people are harassed and there is absolute control, what as believers are we to do?
do you have to have some special degree from somewhere where there is demonic influence that is strong. And so what I want you to do is give you a brief overview or outline, and here's my heart, my goal, my, to say in, the, in, in a balanced biblical approach, this is how I think we need to view deliverance ministries. Here are some specific tools you need as a regular believing Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit, as a child of God, can operate in to be a part of deliverance when situations come about. And so, with that, let's spend the reminder of our time talking about deliverance ministries. The ministry of deliverance. I think the first question can, that comes to my mind is, is it valid? I mean, is it for today? I like to have you see here that Jesus regularly exercises ministries, exercises ministry. I give you a couple of examples, Mark 1, 27 and 39, and I think I read just recently that 25 to 30 percent of Jesus' ministry was, excuse me, 25 to 30 percent of Jesus' ministry was in the de delivering people from the demonic oppressions. Hey, buddy, I'll beat you in just about five more minutes, okay? So go over that way. Okay, okay so, so I, I think I read just recently that 25 to 30 percent of Jesus' ministry was in delivering people from demonic oppression. The early apostles regularly exercised this ministry. I'll give you an example here, Luke 10, Matthew 10. The early church regularly exercised this ministry as the early church was growing. You know what? It wasn't something weird. You get in Acts 16, here's the problem. You get to Acts 8, and you have Simon the Magician. Hey, apparently, it must must have been a big problem because in one town, when the gospel made supernatural inroads, people brought, uh, remember, all their occult objects and they burned them in the center of town. This wasn't something spooky or weird in the New Testament times. Unless you think it's just New Testament I've done some research. Justin Martyr, uh, Tertullian, Origen, and Athanasius. As you read those writings from the first almost 400 years of the church, 
you'll just find that deliverance ministry was normal in the first 400 years. Now, you might have to go to, on the Internet for this, but an excellent article by Paul Thigpen, that's right, Thigpen, and Discipleship Journal, it's issue 81 out of 1994, he traces deliverance ministry historically. It's a fascinating article. The New, T- New Testament writers provide clear direction. In other words, in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and James 4, 1 through 10, and the New Testament writers, and giving those God's word for regular people for all time, and they write it as though, there will be times in Christians' lives throughout the ages when there will be times when deliverance ministry will be a part of what you do. Just normal, regular Christians will do. What? Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. They'll draw near to God. He'll draw near to them. They'll cleanse your hands and your you sinners. They'll purify your purify your hearts, or they'll purify their hearts, and they'll they're double-minded. They're double-minded. They'll humble themselves before God, and He'll give them grace. It is spoken of in the New Testament as a very routine thing that happens. That demonic influences and harassments happens to believers and unbelievers. And then I would say here that contemporary balanced deliverance ministries do exist and help many people. Let's go. That is a baseball player. Watch. I'm going to turn it. I turned a baseball player into a squid baseball player. A squid baseball player. All right. You want to pray with me? No. Come here. Come here. Dear Heavenly Father... Almighty God, the true and living God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, the people that I've been talking to lately who have been dealing with uh, supernatural things and dealing with things like Bigfoot and and Dogman and other uh, spiritual entities pretending to be, I ask of you to that you will bind the, the evil one and his minions, bind the demonic forces, Bind them and rebuke them in the authority and the blood of Jesus, and that you send them to the abyss. I ask you to protect the people that I've talked to recently. I won't mention their names just out of their confidentiality. And their, um, they know who those who've been talking to me recently to hear this. They know who, who I'm talking about. But I ask the 
that one gal who's by herself and taking care of uh, her her youngest son who's suffering from uh, uh, handicaps that they're being harassed by things that's Bigfoot that you will uh, protect her area, her home, the area that you will um, send thy angels and that you'll make a fortress there a protection to keep her and her loved ones from any harm. And the other folks that have been dealing with uh, spiritual attacks, I ask that you be merciful to them all. That you will send thy, thy angels and that you bind the, the demonic forces and that they will find out what's causing the problem in their homes. Maybe it's something that is an, an idol. Or maybe it's something less than that. Or maybe it's something greater than that. We don't know. All I know is we've got to put our trust in you, Heavenly Father. And uh, watch over all the people we care about, Heavenly Father. And um, help us to grow in strength and prayer. And help us to uh, really develop our faith in you in prayer. That we know that the only answer to all our problems really is Jesus. I'm sorry, the religion of scientism isn't going to answer a lot of this stuff that people are going through. We have to surrender ourselves to you and the truth of who Jesus is. Your only begotten Son who came in the flesh, paid for our sins, and rose from the dead, and is coming back. We know that the demonic forces are frightened of Jesus. And we should call upon the blood of Jesus to protect us. And they will wrestle the feathers. And people, you will have experiences as you go through this. All praise and glory go to you, Heavenly Father. And thank you for my son, too. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right? All right. I'm looking, kind of. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.